0: And I'm Shannon
1: and this is Workplace Hugs Side Hugs Edition. Normally on Workplace Hugs we talk about a book, an article, something that we've read that's inspired us and in kind of breaking it down across the various levels to see how we can add that to our workplace toolkit. In Side Hugs we really talk about advice we wish we had in certain situations in our career. It's more of a a shorter piece that you can kind of listen to on the fly. And so this week we're talking about advice we wish we had when we were dealing with significant failure. And the first thing I want to say is significant failure sucks. Uh, It sucks. It it sucks. It really, really sucks. And you have to take a bit of time to accept that. That's, I think, the baseline. (laughs) Yeah. Is that you can't just, like, fail and then move on from there. I think it's wallow in it, accept that it happened. And then I think that's the first step of then getting past it.
0: Yeah. And Rami, I liked what you said before we jumped on about how do we distinguish and separate out a little bit external failures versus internal feelings of failures and I think we're going to try to give you tips and resources for both today.
1: Yeah. And I think it's really important to kind of break it down to say is it an external failure is it something that I that I did that caused something or is it an internal 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 failure in that I set expectations for myself that I wasn't able to achieve. And then really thinking about it in both of those lights. Yeah. So Shannon, what piece of advice do you have for dealing with a significant failure?
0: Yeah, significant failure. My first one is more related to how you deal with it on the external side. Fess up, recap your (laughs) learnings. Don't waste time uh, (laughs) trying trying to solve it if you need help to solve it. I can remember managing an employee who... And part of this was on me and my leadership style at the time, but he was so terrified to come to me with issues that he would like wait and exacerbate them truly. But if he would have just came to me in the first place and just said, like, I messed up and here's what I've learned and here's where I need help to figure out how to solve this right now, it would have resulted in a lot less significance, frankly, of the failure to begin with.
1: So do you think that the hiding of the failure, exasperating the failure, and then the outcome of that failure became a perpetual loop for this person in that like, because it becomes such a big issue, and they'd cause it and then when you would get to them, you're like, hey, you should told me about this earlier, like what's going on? Yes. That at that point, now are they looping where the next time they have a minor failure, they'll let it get too big?
0: eventually that stopped and this is maybe a podcast topic for a different day but i think it stopped because once we could finally get to like i had to do a lot of reflection on a leader of like okay what am i doing that's causing this person to continuously try to cover and not uh come to me when issues Mm -hmm. arise and eventually he shared with me like i'm intimidated by you like you know all this stuff i don't know this stuff and so i had to do a lot of work as a leader to say like how can i create safety for this employee again to say like let's We are all in this together. We have a learning culture on our team. I want to know when things are going wrong that you need help with.
1: Yeah, I think that's a good point because in a healthy culture, I think it's easier to fess up to, I caused a mistake, hey, let's fix this thing right now before it becomes bigger. I think in a semi-unhealthy to very unhealthy situation or environment, it's much harder to take ownership of those things. You'd rather just fix them. Yeah. But I think the advice here is, Work on letting those issues come out immediately before it causes big issues. And regardless of the type of environment, hopefully you can get the support to move past that and and really fix those issues as opposed to letting them fester and become extremely big issues that now are causing um, headaches across the board.
0: Yes. Rami, what's your first tip?
1: So it's really... These are both on the external side, but it's really two questions. Like, is there a way to make lemonade from your garbage lemons, right? <laughs> like this, this failure happened, you did something, whatever it was. Is there a way to rectify that? I think if the answer is yes, and you know what it is, please do it. And then let people know like, hey, this thing happened. And here's how we're fixing it. And here's the the ramifications of that. And here's also what I've learned. I think if the answer to making lemonade, like there isn't enough sugar to offset the sourness of the situation. I think the question is, can you move past that and still be successful in your role in that company wherever it is? And I think that question is really about, hey, I made a big mistake. We've kind of talked about it. Now, is the perception of me a perception that I can change? Or is that one that I'm stuck with? Am I Mm -hmm. constantly going to have a nickname of... Like sourpuss or something that that you won't ever be able to move past, and I think that's a really tough thing to think about and deal with. But is is something you deal with in a significant or catastrophic failure? And if the answer to that is no, I can't move past this and be successful here, then the question is, what are the next steps? Right? Like, Mm -hmm. how do you figure out what that next thing is? Because I say this to people all the time: when you're in your first role, no matter how long or how successful you get within that first role, or that first organization, you're still going to have people look at you as, oh, I remember when Rami trained here, I remember him training. And I remember him like not knowing how to do a certain thing in Excel or whatever it was. Mm-hmm. And so you'll always have people look down on you in that way. And so as soon as you move on to the next role, you have the credibility, right? Like, oh, yeah, he's got all this experience, he's done all these things, like people don't look at you in that same light. Mm-hmm. And so I think of that in the same way that I think about significant failure, right? Like, is that something that you can move past that people will forget about and kind of give you the benefit of the doubt and move past that or not? And if, they, if they're if they not going to, then it's something that you need to figure out how to get away from.
0: And I really want to push on this one a little bit because I don't want to give people free and open permission slip to run away, right? There is a lot of pride to be found in learning from a failure and or learning to reinvent yourself or your identity within the same organization or place so don't let that be an excuse to leave anytime that it gets hard
1: absolutely i agree with that and and I think you're hitting it on the nose. It's it's not that you're using it as an excuse. I think it's more that like you've gotten to the point, you've you've talked to people, you've said, hey, what are my options here? And I think when you've gotten that feedback from a lot of people saying like, hey, that thing was a really big issue. Like maybe if you weather it out and wait a few months, a year, whatever it is, you can get past that and then start to make that, that movement. But it's really like if that's not the case and nobody sees a way for you to kind of add enough sugar to your lemons, yep. then I think that's that's how you evaluate it. But you're right. It's not Oh, I made a failure. Okay, now I'm going to run away from it. It's I made a failure. Now I've t- started to look at it from all sides. And I'm not finding any sort of real plays here. That I think is when you get to that point.
0: Yes. So should you my next tip? Yes. Mine is more related to the internal sides <laughs> of failures and how we might perceive them. Whenever I perceived myself as having failed, Well, not whenever. I didn't used to do this before. Now I do. (laughs) I think it's important to examine the expectations. And a question that I'll ask my clients a lot who struggle with perfectionism or who seem to just allegedly have significant failures over and over again, how are you judging if your expectations are realistic? I think that question can stump a lot of people. And frankly, the people that it stumps are the people who struggle with perfectionism.
1: That's so interesting. So... How are you judging if it's a significant failure? How should we be thinking about that?
0: Well, it's interesting if you look up the definition of failure. Failure is simply defined as the absence of success or something along those lines. So then it goes back to like, how are you determining, how are you defining what success will be? Um, And I can think of a lot of times where I set really unrealistic timelines or uh, unrealistic metrics that I was trying to achieve. It just wasn't feasible. I was not setting myself up for success in that sense. Um, so for me now, how I know if I'm setting realistic expectations is like, can I, can I actually do the thing <laughs> in the time that I'm telling myself I can do this thing? Whether that's like a year goal, a six month goal, and, or frankly, even my to do list for today. And if you're continually not meeting that, consider changing the bar.
1: Yeah, I think what you're saying is like, look, um, let's say it's limbo. And I know that I can always get under a five foot pole, right? I can get under it every single time. So you move it like a quarter of an inch, like that's a reasonable like a ask of yourself to still succeed within that. But it's like, oh, I can do five, let's do four. It's like, nope, like, that's not reasonable. You're setting yourself up to fail. And setting yourself up to fail is not the the way to set the right standard for success. And everything is going to feel like a failure at that point.
0: Yeah, that's a really quick way to put yourself in territory where you no longer trust yourself anymore. And that's not a great place to make career decisions from or frankly, any decisions from.
1: I like that. Okay, cool. So it's setting the right standard of what success is so that you can actually achieve it or at least get close to it yes. as opposed to perpetually failing because you've set unrealistic expectations for yourself.
0: Yeah. Rami, what's your last one?
1: I think failure and learning from it is a huge thing that can motivate you in the future. I think the the thing that I've always been taught and the thing that I keep pushing on is, right, you make a mistake. I think the big thing is to reposition that mistake as a investment in you from the company, right? So I I had a coworker the other day who made a mistake. It cost us $10,000, right? And and they were freaking out about it and leadership was freaking out about it. I just said to them, like, we just paid $10,000 to train you on this thing, to invest into you on this thing. Like, as long as you learn from that mistake and now- it doesn't happen again, and it makes us better for it, then that's fine, right? Like that's money that's worth investing, because you're worth investing into. Now, if we keep making that mistake, then we didn't truly learn or invest in you or get anything out of it. But as long as we learn from it, like that's money that we invested in you. That's great. Let's find a way to make that not be wasteful and actually make it a a true investment in that person.
0: What a beautiful perspective to have. I can remember at Target telling employees, you're gonna make a two hundred fifty thousand to $1 million dollar mistake. <laughs> like it's gonna happen. Mm-hmm. It's inevitable. How do you learn from it and move forward? And maybe that goes back to your first point of like, you know, can you move past this? It is to the company's benefit if you choose to move past this because they exactly. don't want to have to learn or teach another person a ten thousand dollar mistake. So if you can learn and if you're willing to stick it out and fess up and learn, beautiful. It's a benefit to the company.
1: I love it. Well, that was good. So I think we learned about dealing with significant failure. So my pieces of advice were one that it sucks. That's not a piece of advice. You know that everybody knows that failure sucks. Um, Ask yourself the questions of, is there a way to make lemonade from your garbage sour lemons? If there is, do it, make it happen. Um, move past it, learn from it. The other question is like, can you still be successful here and move past that mistake, that catastrophic significant failure? And to Shannon's point, like don't use it as an excuse to run away, but really evaluate and and come at it from all angles to find a way to make it successful. And I think it's at the point when you've looked at it from all angles, you've really talked to people and figured out that there isn't a way, then you kind of move past it and find a way to um, be successful somewhere else. And, yeah. and the last one is really like, learning from that failure and, and knowing that it's an investment rather than just a, a burden, right? And I think when you look at it that way, then it helps you really reevaluate really that incident and, and move past it and, and really take ownership of it and, and be able to talk about it in the future and say, look, I made that mistake, but here's here's everything that's come out of that thing.
0: Yep. yep. Uh, am I to fess up and recap your learnings? Don't try to hide. And then my second one is make sure that you're examining your expectations after a significant failure and set yourself up for success in the future by evaluating how do you judge if your expectations are realistic. Make sure that you're setting realistic expectations on the front end. Beautiful. We would love for you to join in on this conversation and share your advice or tips on dealing with a significant failure. Come check us out on Instagram at Workplace Hugs and find the post about this episode and share.
1: Awesome. Well, I've been Rami.
0: I've been Shannon and this was workplace side hugs.